Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out for the ultimate and commercial broker training. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the multifamily world, the apartment communities around the country. What a role multifamily has been on for the last several years with rent increases every year that just seem just amazingly high. Uh, and then the l really low cap rates, the transaction volume off the charts. Well, here we are. It is February of 2023. We've just had some really fast uh uh, rate increases, interest rate increases from the Fed. We have still the the, the fight of infl inflation and other problems and challenges in the uh, uh, economy. And still some people talking about uh, a recession potentially ahead of us. Um, you know, we also have uh, uh, maybe a, a shortage of housing. Let's see where we are. Please welcome my guest is Carl Whitaker. He's Director of Research and Analysis with RealPage. Carl, good to see you. Yeah, likewise. It's been a while. And Carl, as I mentioned in the opening, you know, the performance of uh, multifamily around the country has just been astonishing. It seems like even when I interview you from, from quarter to quarter, year to year, you're like, it just, it's kind of amazing, right, what, what it did with rent increases and, and performance. Well, how did 2023 kind of tail off there at the end? Uh, you know, what did you see for performance? Yeah, it was really interesting into the year. This was the first time in which we've seen um, uh, rent cuts actually come back into the equation in the past few quarters. Now, in some ways, that's very typical for a fourth quarter. You know, we had been running at a point where things were anything but typical the, the few quarters prior to that. In fact, fourth quarter 2021 um, actually saw the largest fourth quarter increases uh, in terms of rent. So, the, the general consensus that I've been able to piece together from both our data and talking to other industry experts is that we're starting to get back to a more normal leasing pattern, more normal seasonality. Now, it feels drastic just compared to where we were one year ago, but again, it's the, the kind of the return of some normalcy in a lot of ways. Right. So, because you were seeing what increases around the board, sometimes at 10% a year on rent increases, right? Then it started slowing down. What, in the, was it the third quarter it started slowing down? Yeah, in the second half of the year, we started seeing some of the signs of adjustments and, uh, you know, more quickly moderating rent growth, occupancy kind of falling from that peak, peak level. But again, just returning to more normalized patterns in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so where did you end up? Where do we end up here at the end of the year? End of the year, rent growth was about 7% nationally. Uh, one embedded point within that that we found kind of interesting was we were starting to see a little bit more separation between the top performers and the bottom performers. Uh, in other words, some of those really fast out of the gate markets, the Vegas's of the world, the Phoenix's of the world, started to show much sharper moderation. Conversely, some other pockets of the country um, that have been a little bit more stable, still holding some of that stability. Uh, Year-end occupancy in 2022, still above 95%. So even though we say that 
occupancy's fallen 200 to 250 basis points over the past year, we're still essentially full across the country. So I think that's where some of that context is really, really important that, yes, we're a long way from the peak, but if you go back at any point in the past 10, 15 years, most people would be really pleased with how the market has performed over the past 12 months. Yeah, I see the same thing with interest rates, right? We've just been had them so incredibly low. We're kind of all spoiled. Now we're getting back to more historically normal rates, a lot of people would say. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Where do you expect the first quarter to land, Carl, on performance uh, for apartments moving forward? Yeah, great question and also great timing because we actually just bundled up our uh, January results um, in, in our data. So it looks like some of the early indicators saw that January was once more very, quote unquote, normal by typical January standards. Uh, and in some ways, we're encouraged by that. We, you know, we see that uh, some of those indicators at the end of last year that we were a little bit concerned about, we saw that uh, front door leasing traffic really fell off the cliff in fourth quarter 2022. In fact, it was the lowest that we had seen for any quarter in 10 plus years. So we were a little bit concerned about that at the onset, but it looks like traffic has stabilized and maybe starting to pick up a tiny bit, uh, which again is in line with seasonal norms that you tend to see at the start of the year. Uh, rent cuts, they're still happening, but again, that's pretty standard for the time of year that we're in. And occupancy rates look like they're still holding pretty stable. We're starting to see renewal uh, propensity or renewal conversions, resident retention, whatever you want to call it, starting to uh, taper off a little bit further. But it's also important to remember that we've been at record retention levels for the better part of the past two years. So again, it's the 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 conversation of returning to some more normal patterns maybe feels a little bit weird for most people over the, where we've been the past two years. But uh, January is looking just very 20, call it 2017, 2018 as a pre-pandemic norm. We're looking pretty normal with those levels. And would you expect rent growth then in the first quarter or first two quarters of 2023 to, to be back at uh, more normal uh, levels there? Or do you expect maybe potentially some flat or, or, or worse numbers? Yeah, it's a great way to frame it. I think what we'll see is first quarter probably looks very, and again, I'm just going to say 2010s decade normal, uh, second quarter probably similar. I think you're going to see less growth on renewal rents than what we saw over the past two years. Uh, the gap between rents on renewals and new leases, that started to come back to more uh, typical patterns. So I think the pace at which residents are seeing their renewals increase will start to slow down uh, closer to that normal 4 to 5% range compared to the 7 to 10% range that we had been seeing. Uh, so I think we're really just by and large in, in seeing the emergence of some normal patterns uh, at the start of the year. Again, the one caveat there is that they're starting to see some separation between uh, the outperforming markets and even sub-markets where a lot of urban cores are really struggling to match some suburban areas. And we can talk about why that is in a second, but all this to say, I think you're going to start to see some more deviation between the top performers, the haves, if you will, and some of the laggards or the have-nots in 2023. Yeah, and I think the the overall performance of urban communities compared to suburban is an interesting thing to, to talk about because of some of these large cities, right? Some of the office properties, uh, not as many uh, occupants in these office properties, so maybe not as uh, big a reason to, to live in town, right? Well, what do you see in there? 
Yeah, that's a, again a, good, a great way to frame it. I did hear a data point, and I don't have the exact data to support it, but I did hear a talking point in NMHC this past week that somebody had mentioned that this was the first time this past week or past month was the first time that uh, national office occupancy had got back above 50%. So I think you're starting to see some encouraging trends for urban um, or urban living patterns, I would say, or urban working patterns, I guess. Now, the difference that we see is that we all know that the nation is getting a huge block of deliveries. We've got almost a million market rate apartment units under construction nationally. What we're seeing is that there's a heavy concentration of construction in urban cores. And I think over the next 12 to 24 months, now that we've entered this more normal leasing pattern, you're going to see some increased competition among stabilized assets as they're competing with those lease-ups across the door. You know, it's not atypical to see a lease-up offer one month free just to get those residents in those units. I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing two months free among lease-ups, which then means that some stabilized assets are going to start offering concessions again. And we just haven't seen that over the past two to three years. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, kind of more back to, to normal, right? Yep, back to normal in a lot of ways. I, I hate to keep saying that term because I've probably said it so many times, but that's just the context of the market we're in in a lot of ways. Of course, with the caveat that a, a black swan event, yes, that could happen. And, you know, there's things that can knock it off the normal course. But I think just the, the data that we're seeing today you know, pick a point in any pick any time between 2012 and 2019, and you would say, yeah, that looks pretty standard to what we had been seeing. Yeah, yeah. What are you seeing, Carl, for trends uh, overall comp- comparing A communities to maybe B, B and C uh, uh, performance wise? Yeah, I think candidly speaking, one of the one of the the trends that I got wrong over the past call it 12 to 18 months was that I thought Class A would, generally speaking, slightly lag that of Class B. But we saw in a lot of markets, Class A was actually the pace setter. It was leading the market in a lot of ways. Now that construction has ramped up to the level that it has, and we're seeing supply delivered to the market in the degree that it is, um, Class A is starting to moderate a little bit more sharply. It's still roughly in line with Class B, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Class A begin to underperform Class B Part of that being a supply story, part of that being as you deliver so many new units, that's obviously going to be targeted towards an inherently limited demand pool based on the required incomes to rent those apartments. You know, it's just it's impossible to build class B housing unless you're in the tertiary market or in some really far out exurban areas. So I would say that class B is beginning to show a lot of its stability. Over the next year, you're gonna see, in our view, Class B start to move to the head of the pack. And I think Class C is where you start to see some more external forces and challenges coming into the equation. Uh, Steeper challenges with affordability, steeper challenges with rent collections, steeper challenges with inflationary pressures. I think that's a segment of the market that's gonna need a little bit more of some fine tuning and really uh, monitored closely over the next two years. We're not seeing widespread cracks there yet, but I do think that Class C is going to be uh, potentially dealing with some more um, hyper-focused or hyper-local, if you will, challenges within that asset class. 
Yeah, that makes sense. We're talking with Carl Whitaker with RealPage about the uh, apartment industry around the U.S. And, and Carl, you just uh, spoke at the convention in Vegas and you're around, uh, what, uh, thousands of your uh, best friends in the, in the uh, multifamily world. Was there a consensus or a feeling? What, what, were, what, what was kind of the main takeaways you got from, from being there? Yeah, one of the takeaways was, again, normalcy coming back into the equation on the performance side. Now, one of the other big takeaways was this is the NMHC annual is where a huge chunk of deals start to happen. You know, this is a big, big time for brokers and acquisitions, dispositions, asset management, et cetera. And we're seeing that the appetite for apartment investment is still out there, but there is still a gap between what's being um, asked of uh, the selling price and then what's actually transpiring. Uh, I think some of the initial concerns on the pace to which interest rates rose, that's starting to come down into more tolerable levels. You know, I think we had that initial heartburn, but now we see that, okay, performance hasn't fallen off a cliff and we think we're probably approaching the end of some of these rate hikes. So one of the consensuses or consensus, if you will, was that um, uh, investment appetite is out there and we'll probably start to see a little bit more activity than we saw at the end of last year. Uh, the last thing, and I think this is something surprising, I actually posted on LinkedIn um, early this week about this, but one of the things that surprised me is that for the first time that I can remember getting a lot of questions on some Midwest markets. And I think what the um, end game is there is that because the Midwest isn't dealing with a lot of supply pressure, because there's still some pockets of that part of the country where five caps are readily available, we're starting to get a lot more interest in the Midwest region overall. Now, I don't think it's going to be enough to move the needle in terms of national scope of investment. You know, you're not going to see a huge flood of capital moving to the Midwest, but I think you're going to see more than what you've seen over the past decade, especially as the Sunbelt markets just get so much activity uh, in addition to the rebound of the gateway market. So, Final point there is just that the Midwest region, uh, with its stability and its relative affordability from an investment perspective, is kind of creeping back up on some radars. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear uh, the kind of the discussions of uh, more transaction activity. We're sensing the same thing or feeling it here. You know, at Bull Realty, we have groups that, that do multifamily and, and I'd lead a group that sells office and we have groups in every, every specialty. And we're starting to see more activity from buyers, sellers, and lenders uh, here in February um, than we did last quarter. It, you know, it was like crickets, it seems, at times in the fourth quarter of last year. And then people, to your point, kind of going, well, maybe these interest rate hikes are, are slowing down at least. Uh, and maybe there's some pricing discovery uh, that we're starting to see. And we, and we certainly are seeing that. And, and you mentioned a lot of new supply coming online. I guess it takes a, a year or two for the new supply to start slowing down uh, from these uh, rate hike increases, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually one of the themes that we've touched on at the start of the year in a lot of our kickoff meetings and national presentations is that the construction pipeline is really robust in 2023. We're thinking 575,000 units or so delivered this year nationally. But what's interesting is even that number is backloaded in the second half of the year. So I think what you're going to see is that 2024 actually ends up being the delivery peak. 2025 remains elevated. So, uh, you know, to your point, 
a lot of these projects that were started or moved through a certain phase of their permitting and financing, they're going to go ahead and go through. Now, 2025 and beyond, maybe today's interest rates have a an influence on uh, those development levels, but I think we're going to see a lot of construction for the next three years, and it would take a huge performance slowdown before we saw developer appetite significantly adjust beyond the interest rate environment. And Carl, through your business there at RealPage and, and your analysis of, of the industry, and then your discussions uh, at the convention and, and other uh, meetings, are there one or two ideas or tips, uh, success strategies for apartment uh, complex owners that maybe that they were new or people are doing differently, a, a new amenity, a new way of doing business? Anything kind of jump out at you? Yeah, well, I'll go ahead and give us a, a free plug here if it's okay. But we actually sure. just compiled our 23 voices for 2023. It's a strategy book where we talk to owners and operators from all asset classes, from all markets from all investment strategies, new development, value add, and it's a really comprehensive look into what strategies are um, shifting as the market conditions begin to shift as well. Um, I'll send a link along for that, and if there's any resources available, I'd be happy to, uh, to share that. We also have a, a component of that that looks at, uh, we asked 23 individual uh, executives, what is your biggest concern for 2023? And then they answered and we compiled some information there. It's a really, really good comprehensive look. I think the big takeaways from that were that uh, labor and staffing is still an issue even three years after the onset of the pandemic. It's really hard to get good quality employees on site and we're seeing a lot of challenges there. Um, one of the big strategy shifts too is that we see that with budgeting practices in particular, now that performance is slowing down, we're not necessarily seeing a congruent slowdown in expense ratios. So a lot of folks are really focused on NOI. Um, what are the components of that? How do we control for certain parts of the budget versus the non-controllable parts of the budget like taxes and insurance? Because guess what? Those aren't going down either. So uh, really a lot of focus on labor and staffing, a lot of focus on budgeting practices. And then lastly, a lot of focus, which is always the case, but maybe a little bit more of a, uh, scrutiny on this today is what's happening with the broader economy. Are we going to hit a recession or at least a traditional recession in the next year? Are we going to see interest rates continue to increase? And if so, does the Fed run the risk of overshooting their target? And that's a potential risk. And I think we're seeing a lot of those, um, a lot of those executives focus on some of those things and fine tune their strategies to account for some of those potential headwinds in 2023 and again, even into 2024. Yeah. And, and my opinion is that they haven't let these rate increases you know, take take impact, take effect <laughs> long enough. I, uh, I suggest they slow down a little bit uh, or maybe stop at this point would be my recommendation. Uh, of course, I'm smarter than anyone at the Fed, right? I'm a, I'm a radio show host. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Carl, was there anything uh, else that you're kind of seeing in the, in the uh, multifamily world as far as uh, leasing strategies or uh, marketing strategies or, or development strategies? Are you seeing any more uh, folks looking at uh, co-living or, or short-term rentals or anything that kind of jump out as some ideas that uh, you're seeing people use? Yeah, not necessarily. We always hear, you know, uh, of course, there's anecdote of the, the co-living strategies and 
uh, you know, we hear some murmurs here and there on the development side of can we convert office into apartments? I think by and large, maybe that makes for an maybe maybe that makes for an interesting story in certain publications, but we're not seeing a lot of it on aggregate. It tends to be really isolated pop-up events where we do see that. On the the marketing component, though, that's an interesting talking point. One thing we've seen over the past two years is that because we were running at such a tight occupancy rate, there was an there was a decreased emphasis on marketing spend. You know, you were really spending your marketing to advertise the half a dozen units you had available at your property. So there just wasn't as much need for it. I think now that occupancy is getting back to that more normal level, and you've got the increased risk of supply in a lot of these markets and submarkets, we're going to see increased emphasis not only on marketing but intelligent lead management and uh, uh, intelligence or surrounding demand metrics. One of the uh, things we've seen in the past few months is that uh, traffic maybe is okay in some markets, but qualified traffic is a very different story than the traffic that's coming in the front door. On top of that, we're seeing a lot more increased risk for things like fraud in terms of pay stub fraud and a lot of challenges there. So I think that the marketing and the um, the legal component of the uh, management business is going to be something that becomes a bigger focus through this year and, and again into next year. And Carl, you mentioned uh, quite a bit of new supply still coming online uh, this year and next. Where are we on housing supply versus demand, uh, new households? How many apartments and, and homes uh, do we need? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that I have the exact numbers there, but I have seen that NMHC, uh, National Multifamily Housing Council, for folks that maybe haven't had a chance to interface with that group, they put out a study two or three, three or I guess three or four years ago now, uh, that said that we needed about 330,000 apartment units per year for the next, at that point, I think it was 10 to 15 years, call it 2030 or so. So I think we're delivering enough housing to fit that parameter. The mismatch is that once more, it's really hard to deliver class B and class C housing where a lot of that housing demand is needed. Now, the good news is that while there's no panacea for fixing the nationwide housing shortage, uh, one of the best ways to solve for that is to allow natural filtering to take place. You know, you may hear the adage sometimes that today's class A becomes tomorrow's class B, and that's just the nature of how markets evolve over time and how construction and development costs evolve over time. So I think we're on our way to matching demand, um, or we're on our way to matching the demand that's out there by providing a lot of supply today. The single family housing front, that's also an interesting challenge because if you look at what's available in markets today, there is single house, single family housing available. It's just at a very high price point. You know, if you go drive some, some subdivisions and some of these master plan communities, the available homes, at least here in Dallas, and I'm sure Atlanta is similar in some ways, what's available tends to be at that, call it 600,000 plus price point. And that's not necessarily accessible for a big chunk of the population. So I think we need a lot more housing in that true starter home category, which is going to be market dependent, but call it 200,000 to maybe 400,000. And that's where the uh, lack of availability really is harder to uh, harder to provide for, but also it's where that lack of, lack of availability exists. Right. Carl, what would you leave our audience with to think about for through 2024 uh, for the apartment world? 
Yeah, for 2023 and 2024, I would say that context is important. You know, if you have a chart in front of you and it's looking at the past two or three years, you may say, wow, performance is really weak right now. But I implore you to expand that chart to 2017, 2018, 2019, and even further back. And you'll say, wow, 2023 and 2024 actually don't look that bad. I think it's just by nature of what we do, we tend to get asked a lot of year-over-year comparisons. And that's important, but so is that historical context. So I think resetting your expectations to fall more in line with that 2010 decade typical level is probably going to be a prudent exercise, even if it feels like a steep adjustment for the time being. Well said. Absolutely. Same thing on interest rates. Absolutely. We're back to normal. Carl, great information. Thank you for joining us, sir. All right. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank you, Carl. And thank you uh, around the world, around the U.S. for joining us. We appreciate uh, you doing so. And we urge you to connect with us on your favorite social media. And hey, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or videos. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.